This is episode number 111 with Bjorn Kirchner. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. With customer centricity as a key driver of competitive advantage, businesses are looking at their supply chain to determine how they can ensure every customer touchpoint provides an exceptional customer experience. And with the complexity of today's supply chains, this task is not as clear cut as it sounds. It requires an end-to-end view of the supply chain, a level of visibility that's not easy to attain with all the moving parts of a global modern supply chain. That's why I'm sitting down with Bjorn. He's Corporate Vice President of Global Supply Chain of the Adhesive Technologies Division of Henkel. And we're going to be talking about how end-to-end visibility is critical for resilience, agility, and ultimately building customer-centric supply chains. We're going to be discussing the biggest obstacles of attaining end-to-end visibility amid all the operational challenges facing supply chain leaders in the age of disruption, and how effective it can be to segment customers based on their unique desires and interpretations of exceptional customer experiences. Now, Bjorn has well over 20 years of experience holding senior logistics and supply chain management positions in multiple geographies. He specializes in business process optimization, organizational transformational projects, and building high-performing teams. Customer-centric supply chains are in, so I'm looking forward to getting practical advice on how you can design your supply chain to provide exceptional customer experience for competitive advantage. Now let's get started. Hi, Bjorn. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Maria. Well, you know what? You and I are going to talk about end-to-end visibility, which is critical for resilience, agility, and building customer-centric supply chains. You've spoken at some of our events. You've been, uh, you know, uh, you've attended. So I know that this is a, a really interesting topic and topic that you're very familiar with. So I'm just going to jump straight into questions about um, complexity, right? So the, with the complexity and scale of modern-day global supply chains, right? Uh, you know, we're all working towards having an end-to-end view, uh, which can be a very daunting prospect, can't it? So um, where would be a good place to start in your quest for this kind of visibility, in your honest opinion, or in your humble opinion, probably, should yeah. I say? No, a very good question. Yes. Yeah. So the first time I was uh, engaged in creating uh, visibility uh, was maybe like 15 years ago when I was implementing uh, at that time still with BSF, a, a tool of SAP, an event manager, which was actually supposed to track the events uh, happening outside of your own four walls. So it was about connecting um, service providers, maritime, um, service providers, carriers, ports, where the idea was that we get the events via EDI into our SAP, and we would then be in the position to really uh, know what's happening after the goods leave our factory. So it was maybe in the early days of EDI, and we were really the first ones going directly to carriers, not using any platform. So. That was a fascinating project and we concluded uh, in, in one year doing 20 carriers, et cetera. But that, that's nowadays there are you know, many great companies you can buy that from and, and interact. But what my key learning at that moment was that actually you have to start inside, right? It okay. was all about creating that outside link. But the question is, is your organization mature enough to actually work with the visibility you create? 
And our learning was that, yes, we got all that events. We would theoretically know where our containers got stuck, but our organization internally wasn't really set up to deal with this, to, to act on those uh, events. So my advice would be to really assess properly. What would you do or what would you need from your own company to actually work with that visibility you can create um, outside of your four walls? You know, you have probably hit the nail right on the head on exactly what I think the problem is. I, I think there's a bit of an obsession with looking outward, you know, with just looking outward and also probably investing in tons of technology without necessarily asking those tough questions, which is uh, what problem am I tr trying to solve? And more importantly, am I equipped within my own business to, to for this journey that we're about to take? Do you think that's probably why a lot of these transformation and big projects fail? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I totally agree. The, the problem always was of creating this transparency. What's the business case? Why are yeah. you doing this? Why would you be interested? And uh, currently we are uh, driving a customer centric supply chain strategy and we actually found good reasons for going out there to knowing exactly when we arrive at the customer to know, provide track and trace information because our firm believes that that's what our customers uh, need from us to get that transparency. So I think once you create the reason and the reason is not, you know, internal efficiency only, but really delivering towards customer, I think there's a good, good motivation to go for that external transparency, but you have to be very clear, you know, why are you doing this? Is that, is that purpose, uh, you know, connected to your, to your strategy? Because otherwise, as I said, you're going to end up getting all those events, but you actually are not equipped to sustain that you will work on that. So there's a lot of hype on that. And the question is how to translate it into value. And in our case now, we truly believe that's what a lot of our customers want from us, this visibility and transparency. So that's why now we're going, going after that. Well, you're right. I think the customer has gotten a lot more involved or more savvy in trying to uh, get transparency, right? But if you create an environment where the business internally is not equipped to deal with this, you'll be drowning in data, won't you? You'll be drowning in information and won't necessarily have the mechanism or the culture uh, to, to support that. How important is culture, do you think, in pursuing end-to-end -end visibility? Yeah, definitely it's 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 the key right so the the you know i think compared to the past where you would not have the the necessary means to actually filter those events coming in i think now with with all those uh, ai technology it's it's easier actually to filter the relevant ones so mm -hmm. i think we're not drowning necessarily you know we are it, we will we are equipped to deal with this information but then again, yes, culture is, you know, do you sustain the organization to invest in that? Do you sustain mm -hmm. the efforts they need to make to actually deal with those information coming in? If you're still having an, an inside out culture, then, you know, why should I care what's happening? I booked the transport, now it's on its way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, out, I'm outside, done. I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. right? So you need to create that culture. That the reason why we're doing is because we want to know faster and earlier than our customer if there's a problem. So we're going, for example, currently also to improve our visibility on the proof of delivery, right? We want to know mm -hmm. actually before our customer complain that there is something going wrong. So this is a strategic rational we're pursuing, but it starts with creating a customer-centric culture first, um, as you need to sustain investments in, in this, um, this transparency you're, you, you're creating. So, so it, you know, change the culture, the mindset, 
is important as well, you know, making sure that everybody's driving to this customer centricity. What, what about, um, you know, in, in the search for end-to-end -end visibility and also which is linked to traceability and uh, transparency, et cetera, uh, you know, I constantly hear people talk about how they've only mapped certain tiers of their supply chain. How important is it to map all the levels of your supply chain? How difficult is it to do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we need to uh, distinguish a bit whether we're talking about um, um, visibility towards your customers. Okay, so mm -hmm. I think then you know the, there isn't so much stages unless yeah. you go for you know a go-to-market strategy and you want to yeah. pull strategies. But from a logistics point of view, you you have a very clear point where you deliver, and that's kind of where you are committed based on Inco terms or yeah, or I'm talking about in both directions. Exactly right. So if you're looking upstream. Um, definitely COVID has, and we're currently still in that situation. Yeah, we, we learned that it's not enough to know about your tier one. Uh, you need to know much more. And it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge to create that mindset across the organization that it's not enough to know uh, you know, how's the situation in your supply? You need to go go further to supply of supply and opening up. And there's just, I see a, still lots of hurdles in, in mindset because commercially, obviously you're more interested in your direct partner, but supply chain, you, you need to know what's going on the whole value chain. So here again, you know, how to make sure your procurement partners understand the supply chain needs and risks uh, in, in the upstream. And, and what, what do you think the role is of the supply chain organization supporting suppliers to develop their own capabilities to, you know, help you achieve your end-to-end -end supply chain vision? Yeah, I mean, that's really um, maybe depending on your organizational setup where you draw the boundaries. I mean, uh, there maybe also on the industries you're in and, and how much you say, okay, the sourcing organization is part of supply chain organization or the sourcing is already part of the procurement mm. organization. I mean, that's, that's difficult to say, but you definitely, uh, we have a high interest of our suppliers being capable uh, of supplying and we need to understand if we are part of the problem, right? Is it because we, our demand patterns are not regular enough so they cannot, or our our demands are unreasonable in terms of, so I think supply chain inherently always looks, you know, how can we solve things? And if we are part of the problem, while I think this mindset um, needs, needs to strengthen because their problem is our problem. Yeah, so uh, there's no way to, to pretend uh, it's it's a pure buying relationship it, it's much more mm. we're sustaining a, a value chain together yeah we are what do you think is some of the big obstacles i mean you've talked in general about about that but what for the supply chain leader trying to do this in the middle of a pandemic towards the, you know where we are right now with the in the era of disruption that we're in what are the, what are the biggest challenges and how do you overcome them yeah so again i think um, it really depends also on the size of your organization and, and the role you have and, and kind of which kind of um, uh, organizational split you can allow for. So in our model currently, there are clear operational roles uh, which are you know, driving the execution in the region. For them, definitely the major challenge is all the disruptions in the course of, of, of COVID, whether it's certain industries uh, patterns change dramatically or whether our raw material uh, suppliers go, got, got uh, up and down. So I think this is the challenge for op operational supply chain mm -hmm. people. And if an organization is not big enough uh, or cannot afford for various reasons, those, those roles also entail like creating the future 
then yeah. that that's a big big challenge because obviously you're drawn into solving uh, things helping your team to survive at the same time you're required to think ahead you know build uh, invest in risk management new tools transparency so th that is almost impossible to sustain i would say um now in our situation, we have a clear split. So my role is really a, a global role, looking into the future, building capabilities, looking for what's missing, helping and enabling the execution teams to overcome that. So I think that split works because while some focus on solving the problems of today, I'm gonna try to solve the problems of, of tomorrow and that keeps us both focused. So um, I think that model is more helpful, but definitely to some, for some smaller companies, not, not feasible. Yeah. So you're the guy with the crystal ball then. You're the guy shaping the future, looking at the future, making predictions. Can you, yeah. you know, when you get a chance, send me the lottery ticket numbers. I'd be happy for you to, to do no, that. I think I'm the guy who looks for, you know, what's out there and what does it mean for us, right? So we go for yeah. new approaches in planning, whether it's the demand-driven instead of forecast-driven supply planning. Yeah. We go for risk management. We go for new technologies, next generation planes. So, so I, I'm not, I mean, I'm observing the market trying to stay ahead and, and innovate with and help the people, you know, to create their work environments of the future to be equipped. Um, so it's more, you know, you know, my team is looking for outside in innovation while the operational teams more inside out, like incremental right, right. trying to make it better. But yeah, I don't have the crystal ball. I'm sorry, Maria. <laughs> well, if you did, I was going to say, my God, you know, um, but so let me let me circle back to customer centricity, because I think that's a really important thing that we talk about, especially with regards to end to end visibility. Now, in one of our recent DemSense events, uh, Dr. John Gatorna, I'm sure you know him. He's, you know, great author and uh, he's he's he says a lot of really amazing things. And he delivered a really cool case study uh, or presentation of the building blocks of a robust customer centric supply chain. And my key takeaway from that or the, the key takeaway that we had was that uh, you know, it's it, how important it is to segment your customers to identify how best to design your supply chain to serve them. I think he, he talked about maybe, you know, he ran through maybe five of the most common behavioral segments, even how efficient is it to segment your customers in terms of their requirements and desires and plans in order to plan your supply chains according to each type of customer segment? Is that feasible? Is that doable? It's a massive undertaking, yeah. Huge. So yes. So and and you know sometimes it's uh, it's better to start in a modest way and then build up than yeah. than to go for too big. So yes, customer centricity starts with the with the objective to create a customer intimacy so that you can create the relevant experience for that customer. So you know it's it's a perception, it's an experience. So one one experience for one person means a total different experience for another. And so you're creating the same behavior, let's say you go for reliability in the supply chain, but for one, that means just sticking sticking to the, uh, the plan and for another one meaning being as fast as possible. So a supply chain needs to understand the, the real values of the various segments. Mm -hmm. That's the core you know, the, to go for. Then you have in the position. Now, if you're a big company like ours serving consumers, professionals, small, medium enterprise, large accounts, um, you know, very difficult to, to ensure you get it right each time, right? So I think the objective is that you create a multidimensional customer segmentation where you actually find the way to serve, not over or underserve the various needs of, of customers. 
But are we there? No, we are not. We are, we are on our way. We have customer segmentation. We're improving that. Um, and then again, you know, there's only a limited set of options supply chain can behave. Right? I'm always saying, you know, if we can have three models, I would be fine. We do it like today. We do it better. We do it, you know, li little less. So it it's gets very easily very academic and you need to be careful yeah. that there's an executional system, you know, a warehouse, a truck, uh, and they have only as so many options uh, to offer. Um, so I think it, it starts with this, but you, you should get out of that intellectual uh, loop of trying to classify it in the best way and just start, right? You just start and as you go, the organization learns you know, how to behave differently, what to put into a system in a B2B segment and a B2C segment. I think that's, that's you, how you mature uh, on the way. Otherwise you get stuck in conceptual thinking, uh, which is nice, but not implementable, yeah. And not practical. And yeah. you know, I, I had a I did a podcast or I, I with a couple of people who were talking about, I think I made a comment and said that I felt that the world is changing so much and at such a fast pace. And um, and I can't remember off the top of my head who it was right now, but they said to me, Yeah, but supply chain fundamentally has it. You know, supply chain still fundamentally the same principles apply, right? So do you think what you're talking about now, these these customer-centric supply chains? these evolved supply chains, is that is that really different to the fundamental principles of supply chain, which is to deliver value to your clients? Or, or I mean, have we evolved? Am I oversimplifying it? What do you think? So I think what is evolving is, is technology, right? And yes. what is evolving is data availability. So we have to acknowledge we're not there where we've been five years ago in how we process data, what systems are out there. And Supply chain is technology driven. So yes, there are changing parameters and we need to acknowledge that can help us to put on a different um, um, you know, mode of operandi, right? More automation, different topics. But customer centricity, I would say is rather you know, recalibrating of what really matters, right? So the Amazon effect actually has shown that you can actually outperform by really offering a different experience and mm -hmm. that goes through the whole industry to some extent. So I would say some elements have changed on capabilities to, to you know, to execute uh, the, the activities of still the same, right? Logistics, planning, mm -hmm. et cetera, but there are, it's a different game and we look for different profiles uh, and different calibers to, to complexity wise, as well as, as data driven. But ultimately, customer centricity is a choice, is a choice of which value you put first. And sometimes, you know, we've been very much in certain industries still are, and we still need to deliver that on efficiency. But if you go for customer centricity, you, you go for, okay, where do I capture the value for the customer in the strong belief that the loyalty will pay off and on the midterm, you're, you're better off. So yeah, to answer your question, I think game has changed. And it is a choice uh, how you want to play it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's going to be the make the difference between the companies that survive and the companies that, that thrive, right? Or the companies that don't uh, thrive with, uh, at all. Um, how has the industry changed, in your opinion, since you got started? And, and you're right. Let's not simply technology, yeah. of course, has changed. Yes. But in general, how has, the, how has it changed since you got started? Um, you mind the the supply chain industry, or you, yeah. you mean yeah, my... supply chain, supply chain, yeah. the function, the yeah. you know, what I mean the role, the the thinking behind it. 
Yeah, so yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting question. They're looking, so I started, I guess, 20, 25 years ago, uh, and it was a weird choice for an you know academically trained economist to actually go into that area. And and I started in in China, uh, working for a logistics company because I was interested in China. I wanted to understand yeah. how that works, and and I thought that's the great place to be. You know, forwarders, all kind of industry. So, but it was a weird choice at that moment because, and globalization was not on top, uh, data was yeah, not yeah, on yeah. top, and you know, I think at that moment, it wasn't the, the choice uh, to go for with a certain background. Uh, and I, I never never regretted because I love solving problems and uh, and, and challenges. And that's something that supply chain is. is exactly. So I really found my way of, you know, continuously being challenged and solving things with people, with systems and process minds. So, but if I look today, who is drawn into supply chain? These are different. They're educated. They come from universities. They and you know, it all taught as a lesson, COVID, how important it is. Every second you use uh, economically has a reference to a broken supply chain nowadays. So I think the relevance of it, globalization trends, automation trends, digitalization, uh, risks, uh, exposure. So all kind of mega trends or a lot of mega trends actually are connected to getting supply chain right. And so I think the attention has changed, the, the talents we attract have changed, the, the investment in technology has changed. So I think um, definitely we are we are on a different uh, game we're playing and uh, I'm really, really happy to have chosen that 20 years ago, but that was an odd choice at that moment. It certainly was. So what are the opportunities in supply chain for the future? So everybody joining that kind of group, uh, I, I would say has, uh, uh, has the possibility to really understand how a company works, yeah? Because we're mm -hmm. connecting a lot of dots towards markets, towards operations, process-wise, uh, sales processes, uh, manufacturing processes, planning processes to finance. So it's a great place to start um, to understand how some major processes in a company, some core processes actually connect. And you can take it from there. We're happy to let go everyone in any other function because we believe, you know, they're going to be great advocates for supply chain. But if you love this stuff, then you can stay and have a great career as well. So I think um, it's, I'm still convinced it's a good starting point, whatever your background is, and you can uh, develop pretty nicely from here on. So I can only recommend uh, to, to, to join the, the supply chain community. Okay, and so I asked you for the opportunities. What are the threats facing supply chain? Um, you know, I'm, I guess you're not referring to um, external threats i mean we all know about right so we all yeah i mean i mean we know that the supply chains are broken and uh, you know protectionism globalization so i mean there are all kinds of threats from currently in in place of actually letting supply chains work properly um but as a function i think there's a great request of 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 us there's a great need for people who help companies to overcome internal silos, to collaborate. Um, I think the next real game is connecting across companies. Um, I think that will be the only answer to, to what we're observing now. Um, so I think um, threads, you know, it's, uh, I think the major thread is a lot of people think it's so easy uh, and they mm. all come up very fast with opinions. Because it's maybe uh, yeah, it's it's underestimated still uh, in a lot of areas. Um, that's maybe the threat that if you do not watch it carefully, you do not invest, you're going to pay pay hard on the on the long term. 
Bjorn, you've answered a lot of our questions. Thank you so much for, for being here. You've given us quite a lot of a lot to think about. And uh, no doubt we'll see you again at some of our other events. Yeah, thanks, Maria, for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Have a good day. No, my, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today at Transform Talks. I hope you found this valuable. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.